This episode of the CZ Media Podcast is brought to you by Rancho Bravo Tacos. They have two convenient locations, Capitol Hill and Wallingford. I love going to Capitol Hill. I'll go order my food, whether it be tacos, burritos, or tamal. I love their tamales. They're fantastic. And then I'll go sit on the patio, enjoy my meal, and then wait for something interesting to happen. And given that it's Capitol Hill, something interesting always happens. If you don't have time to go to either location, you can always order through your favorite food ordering app, Uber Eats, Caviar, or Chow Now. They make it really easy to get all of your favorite items. So next time you're craving some delicious Mexican food, stop in or order. You'll be glad you did. Listen to this. I watch this video on YouTube at least 20 times a month. Okay, you really love this song. Yeah. And do you get up and dance? Sometimes. And do you make your wife dance with you too? Oh, yeah. <laughs> we dance a ton in the kitchen <laughs> and in the living room. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I'll grab her, spin her around a few times. Uh, so I listen to... Do you use YouTube for music? Sometimes, yes. I have it like when I'm not doing anything. Well, I'm sorry. When I'm doing like just editing or, you know, boring stuff. Okay. I put it on and YouTube knows what videos I watch all the time and it'll just go through. Mm-hmm. So I watch the same movies over and over again and I watch the same music videos over and over again. And the top music video. Actually, it's not the top music video. It's the top artist is nacho do you know who nacho is i've heard of nacho but i'm not i haven't listened to any of his music oh here, here i should play some nacho okay he's venezuelan and he used to be partnered up with this other guy named uh chino okay so it was chino and nacho and then nacho left chino 
Um, yeah, I think that's how it went. Was it dramatic? I think it was. Mm, I think sad. Nacho said Chino wanted because if you just like their personalities are very different. Nacho is Nacho's married, has like three or four kids. And I don't think Chino is married. So I think maybe that could have been a little bit of the conflict. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, ultimately, they said that they parted ways. Um, one of them said that the other one took too much credit and wanted to be too much to the face of the group. You know, those dramatic South yeah. South Americans. Uh, but it's just, I don't know. I love this music. And every time my friends come over, I make them watch these videos. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad to be considered a friend right now. <laughs> <laughs> There's this one video that they did where the premise of the video is that this little the grade they're they're in grade school these grade school kids Mm -hmm. they're playing spin the bottle and then they get caught but it turns out that a boy has a crush on this girl but the girl is bald and you know that the girl is bald right away because obviously she's she's sick okay and then uh the the music video is about him you know just being friends with her and liking her and then at the end of the video, he the kid writes a letter to Chino and Nacho asking them to come to their school and play an event. So at the end of the, you know, towards the end of the music video, Chino and Nacho are on their tour bus and they get this letter and then they just gesture like, turn around, like tell uh-huh. the bus driver to turn around and they go to the school. And this little kid is playing his guitar and then he takes his hoodie off and he had shaved his head. Oh. And then he had had all of his friends shave their heads. And then Chino and Nacho come singing. Oh, <laughs> a tearjerker music video. Yeah, so when, uh, when Trish and Jen come over, they're like, are you going to make us watch this <laughs> cancer girl video again? It's like, yes, Oh, because I love it. Um, <clears throat> but this is one of them. This, is a, this isn't the one. Mm-hmm. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Yeah, yeah. I love this stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So we've we've been in a little bit, and our our audience doesn't. Did, did I say? Did I introduce anything yet? Nope. Hello. We just started talking. <laughs> <laughs> that that happens so often, so often, and when it doesn't happen, it feels weird. Like uh, my wife and I were rec- we do a podcast about ninety day fiance. Yes. <laughs> Did I talk to you about this? You already? did. You talked to me about it. Have you seen any of it? I all I see, all I can do is look at y'all pictures when y'all do ninety day fiance, <laughs> and I just start laughing. I'll be like, I can't, I can't with y'all. No, you need to watch. You need to watch one at least one episode. Okay, I'll of, do that today. Of ninety day, or at least the clips. I'm sure there's a bunch of uh, YouTube clips about it. So we, yeah, we were recording our ninety day show, and uh, we started. 
And then I said, so what's 90 day? Like I went straight to it. And then she kind of gave me this confused face. And she said, what? You're not going to complain about anything. You don't have a rant to go on before we start talking. And I just, I just said, no, let's just start talking about it. But then she went off on a rant. <laughs> so the show officially has to start with a rant. Well, I mean, that's typically how my conversations start. You know, I'm, I've been told that even though I'm super young, like super. Super young, yeah. I, you're definitely in your teens. Super, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, that I may be, there's an old curmudgeon man inside of me that wins oh, so. out. I complain about everything. So but you, you know, he, and actually this is the perfect way to segue into, because I was thinking about, actually I was, I was, I was, uh, thinking back on the things that bug me like i don't think i get angry like i'm not angry i get annoyed far more than i get angry i don't think i let the annoyance get to anger mm -hmm. and all of the things that annoy me are total first world problems that matter zero <laughs> that does not matter at all it, it either it's only gonna it, what usually what happens is i'll just have to either wait for a little bit mm -hmm. or maybe just make a little, you know, pivot here and there to to avoid or to just move away from. But if I were to uh, be a little bit more mindful, like I would be the person that absolutely nothing gets to them. But that's the goal, I guess. OK, so what was the last thing that got to you? Oh, this morning. Oh, ooh, OK. You ready for that? <clears throat> this morning. Yeah. <laughs> So this morning, I had to go. So first of all, I'll preface it by saying I hate grocery shopping. I hate it. I hate mm. going to any store. Okay. I dislike it very, very, very much. Okay. I go, if I need, if I'm going to make dinner and I need an ingredient, I'll go to the store for just that one thing. Like I, I, I will go to the store for what I'm going to cook that day, mm -hmm. not tomorrow, not the day after. I'm very immediate, which, yes, causes a whole lot of other issues. But Right. No planning whatsoever. No. That's cool. <clears throat> I'm very, I call it European. The Europeans go buy their groceries for that day's dinner that same day. Okay. You're very European. I give you that. I know. That sounded douchey, didn't it? It did. <laughs> <laughs> You're a little bougie. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll, yes, I'm okay with that. Okay. <laughs> so... So, so what happens is two, one of two things happen that either Lori will just go herself to mm -hmm. do the grocery shopping, but on the occasion where she, and then, and then she comes home and then I have to carry it in. I carry it in. So I do my part that way. But on the occasion that she does want me to go, <clears throat> I just make it very unpleasant for her because I don't look at what anything costs. I don't look. I just look, and if I want it, I'll just put it in the cart. So what will happen is she'll, we'll go to the store together, we'll be done, and then she'll look at the receipt, and she'll say, when I come by myself, it's not remotely close to this high. I was like, hey, you wanted me to, you wanted me to, to come with you. <laughs> That's so wrong. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't want you to go to the store with me either. Yeah, it's like, you wanted me to, to come with you. Uh, so if you, don't want, if you don't want to spend that much, or if, we don't, if we're not mm -hmm. going to spend that much, you know, I'm staying at home. So what we do, and again, first world, is uh, we do, we have a, 
uh, a shopping list on Safeway. Okay, they're on their app. <clears throat> on their app, mm-hmm. and they have they can either deliver it to you, which we tried, and you know they got eight out of ten orders wrong. At one time, they flat out did not bring us half of what we asked for. Wow. So that's an issue because then, then what annoys me is that I have to do inventory. Like, yeah, I don't want your list. And... Yeah, it's like if I was gonna go, if I was gonna de- uh, take that much time to look at each thing, I would just go to the store. <laughs> so we don't do that anymore. Okay. But now what we do is uh, she play, we place the order, and then I go and pick it up. So the people at Safeway go and get it, bag it all up, and then wheel it out to me, and then I put it in my car and go home. So that's what I did this morning. I went and picked up. I went and picked up. Uh, the the groceries mm-hmm. so <laughs> so yeah someone does the shopping for you they bag it up they bring it out to you and literally all i have to do is put it in the car right now they have five or six dedicated parking spaces right in front that have this big sign out front that says uh pick up and go or something like that call 206 whatever mm-hmm. and let us know that you're here and there's a there's a stalled number they're all full and no one is picking up their groceries. It's just that people don't care and they're just parking <laughs> in that front that front spot. So now I can't park there who's actually picking up their gar- their their groceries. Their groceries. I was going to say right. garbage. <laughs> <laughs> and so you're mad because you cuz somebody was in they your parking spot. They took my spot. You're not mad at the fact that you're that you're not efficient enough to go shopping for yourself. No. And I'm mad because y'all got special parking spots. I go yeah, to Fred Meyer and Kent, and now they just took away like 10 parking spots for pickup. Well, right, but that, <laughs> But I'm only going to be there for five minutes. Exactly. So you can park anywhere. Yeah, but, I, well, I think it is, is that the people who bring it out to you don't want to go searching for you. Exactly. That's why they want that number. So I call the number. And then I'm like, I'm here to pick up for Zamora. <clears throat> and then they said, oh, okay, what what stall are you in? And I said, people here aren't respecting these, these parking spots, so I don't have one. So I'm right in front of, I'm right next to the first one. <laughs> and the person started to laugh. <laughs> It's like, like we're it's, sorry. It's like it's eight thirty in the morning, and you're already all riled up. <laughs> that is crazy. No, but she was nice. That's she came awesome. out. I got my groceries, <clears throat> and then I get in the car, and then I realize she didn't give me a receipt. So you have to go back. So I had to go in the store. Uh- <laughs> I had to go in the store. And I don't know what her name is. This very nice, uh, this very nice lady who helped me. Like I don't know what her name is. So I have to go to the front desk. Who does this? And they're like, no, no, no. They got to call two other people. And then I don't know, maybe five minutes. Uh huh. Um, they come out. And I'm like, I need a receipt. And she's like, Oh, I'm sorry. And then she went out. And like it took her like another five minutes to get married. So I still had to actually be in the store for about ten minutes. Wow. <laughs> That's a hard life. First world problems, right? You know, hard, hard life. <laughs> so I had to take five minutes to go Ten. in the store. Ten minutes. Ten minutes. The store. Oh, but do they get the percentage of them getting the groceries right is greater yeah. when you pick it up? Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, because when they deliver it, 
I, I think that a lot of when they deliver, it's not necessarily that they don't pack your stuff. It's that the delivery person doesn't bring it to you because there's a bunch of deliveries in the truck. Right. So I think it's like either they pick up the wrong bag or they maybe they, if you were supposed to have gotten 10 bags, they only bring you eight. Mm. So your stuff is missing and they don't over they don't overstuff the bags. OK, Um, like for our trip today, I must have gotten 12 bags. But if I had packed it, it would have been like four bags. Right. So I think they just if they deliver, there's far more room for error because there's way more orders and. It's I'm assuming it's hard to keep track of all that stuff. And then being in Seattle, did you have to pay for those 12 bags? Probably. <laughs> I'm, well, I'm sure it's built into right, the, built some sort of somehow. fee. Yeah. Um, well, anyway. Well, I'm glad you were able to get that off your chest. Yeah. So then I had to go and eat two Italian beef sandwiches for all that work. And, you know, I, I understand rewarding yourself for the sacrifice that you made. <laughs> That's right. Hey. That's how I looked at it. It's like, you good know, job, Carlos. Exactly. Successful shopping trip. And you got the receipt. I got I got the receipt. And done. I did the inventory. It was good. Wife happy because it's almost all put away. And you're full. She has to do some of it. <clears throat> and you're full. So it's so all good. Stuff. Stuff. <laughs> no well, doubt. hello, everybody. Welcome back to the CZ Media Podcast. Um... Please subscribe. Uh, there's uh, links in the show notes, iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. Follow us on social. Uh, keep it going. Um, the wife and I have, or not the wife, wife. She's just wife. She's wife. not the wife. Right. Wife and I have a podcast dedicated to 90 Day Fiance. It's pretty funny. Uh, so go and I'll link to her. She has her own instagram account now so she can promote her own her shows so technically it's her show oh so i'll link to that follow so she'll be sharing there's just so many memes of 90 day fiance they're so funny like some of them are mean Uh but a lot of them are just hilarious that is not my guilty pleasure Ooh, what is your guilty pleasure um chrisley knows best oh i was so (laughs) close into getting hooked on that Man, it's it's ridiculously funny. I like every time that commercial comes up, I turn to Laurie and I said, "Who is this guy? <laughs> what does he do? Like he has to be, he has to own some business, or he has he's something. They, like why is this guy on TV? I have no clue, mm-hmm. but I think something around real estate uh, at some point. And then where's uh, he from? They're from Nashville. They're in Tennessee. Oh, okay. Yeah. So the accent, but the funniest person on this season is Nanny Faye, and that's his mother. Oh. And she is hilarious. <laughs> She's, whatever comes out of her mouth, I'd be like, I'd be ready. Like, Nanny Faye is, is I'll have hilarious. to, I'll have to give, I haven't given it a full try yet of an episode. I'll have to do that. Yeah, that, they crack me up. I'll just be like, oh, I need Christy Knows Best. <laughs> Well, the audience is probably wondering, who the heck am I talking to today? So, introduce yourself. I'm the one and only MC Sharon Nairi. No, I'm joking. (laughs) (laughs) I'm uh, Sharon Nairi Williams, uh, 
originally from North Carolina, been here in Seattle for 19 years now. I'm the executive director for the Central District Forum for Arts and Ideas. Ooh, fancy. I know, right? It's been around for 21 years, but I've been only doing it for seven. We present and produce and help develop black artists and provide the black experience to the community. I'm trying to tear down all those stereotypes y'all get from um, mindless television. Um, and then I'm also a storyteller. Um, uh, yeah, I got some, some poetry plus storytelling albums out there. and that, So creative all the way around. All the way around. Is See, I do I consider myself creative? I don't know. Um, like, I think if I did, then these little things wouldn't bug me. But your, your photography is creative, right? Uh, not all of it. <laughs> some of it is. <laughs> but not all of it. But uh, talking to people through the airwaves is creative, right? You don't write it down. No. So you have a gift. I tried to write. I tried to script it early on. It was a just complete disaster. <laughs> did you Did you find yourself in your radio voice? Yeah. Hello, my name is Carlos. Pretty much. Yeah. I was trying to NPR it. Yeah. Yeah, that doesn't it work. didn't work. It better when you just yourself. Yeah, it was way better. So you've been. Uh, so let, let's uh, let's dissect your introduction here. Ooh. What's what's the first? What's your first uh, title or not title? But what's your what's uh, the first thing you want people to think of uh, when they hear of you or talk to you? That I'm sexy. No. <laughs> well, that goes without saying. Um. No. Uh. Um. I'm a storyteller. Storyteller. Yeah, storyteller, arts administrator. I'm I'm all of that, right? It takes yeah. all of these things to make up who I am. Right. Um, and so it's necessary, but that I just have a love for um helping develop other artists. I have a love for sharing black stories, all that good stuff. Just so, no love when they think of me. So you've been the director for seven years. Yes. So tell me about that. What's your uh, from when you started to now, like, what's the, what's any changes, what challenges, excitement, like, what's the coolest thing that you've uh, experienced or uh, have organized? Tell me about that. Wow. Um, how long we got? Um, so <laughs> when I started in 2013, the organization was at um, a major transitional point. And so it was um, still trying to recover from the recession. Yeah. Um, the staff that was there right before me, all of them had transitioned out. So I walked in the first day and it was me and my board president and some computer files. <laughs> and that was, was it. A blank slate. Yeah. And I was like, Which okay. Which could be exciting, but at the same time daunting. It, it was. Um, so I was doing everything um, from taking out the trash to speaking with high-end donors to trying to do grants to trying to figure out programming along with the help of the board and um so that went on for a few years and it was just rough um and then a few years ago uh around 2015 i got us into this program called national performance network leveraging a network for equity oh. and and it was crazy because now um i was at the verge of talking about closing the organization Ooh. And um, I had just came back from Rwanda where um, we had did some workshops around filmmaking and things of that nature. And that sounds exciting. Uh, it was it was awesome. But I have this um, piece that I do called Dream Sharing called Dream. 
and there I did dream sharing dream and it's and the hook line through it as dream sharing dream and then they had never been told to dream before mm. and so that whole reality of um, our first world problems right yeah and then coming so you're saying that these kids in Rwanda they weren't even kid grown-ups grown-ups yeah that they haven't that they weren't told hey you can you can dream huh that's interesting and I didn't know it so I did the piece on the first day of the workshops and it wasn't until the last day of the workshops that they was like you know we thought your name was Sh dream sharing dream <laughs> <laughs> and now we realize that you've been telling us to dream this whole time and then <laughs> and, was, and then they and they was crying and they was happy and wow it was um so powerful but then I came back and I was like Sharon you're a hypocrite right you're not oh. fully living your dream yeah right you because you were because you had expressed a doubt maybe and keeping it going exactly yeah. and so um so that took me a minute and then and then we get this grant like a few weeks later Ooh. right i went to my one of my board members office and cried and was like i just can't keep doing this the struggle is real <laughs> and then and then we get this grant opportunity and it's not just grant it's like grant consultants it's money consultants uh a Ooh. cohort of national um a national national set of organizations right. that you get to hang out with and yeah. stuff like that so it's a lot of resources it's a lot of resources for four years and can i ask who who funded it? Yeah. Uh, the Mellon Foundation funded this round. Okay. And so it was like really, really cool. And then after that, so in the last year, I was able to add two employees, various contractors. And it was like, yo, it's a whole nother organization yeah. now. So it's that Kickstarter that you needed. Exactly. Of sustainability. Yeah. Like sometimes people just um, throw money at it and that's fine. Yeah. But it the other time. resources and, and they expect you to do it in a year. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's not going to happen. So the reality of um, you can dream, you could do everything you want. Um with these resources was very very helpful so that's what i that's how i've come full circle gotcha mm -hmm. so from when that grant took when it when it started like what was the first thing you produced or what was the first thing that you could go back and tell the uh the grant issuers that that i did um so the first set of money they give you they gave us money in three buckets so one is just um, general operating funds that you get over a course of the four years that starts at like 20, then go down to 15, 10, and five, Okay. right? So that's just money that you're gonna get. The second was recovery capital. Oh. So you got to pay your bills off. Oh, I see. And things okay, of that I nature and come that. out of debt. Then the third set was capital, um, what we call um, change capital money. And that's where you get to start implementing stuff. Oh, okay. And so the first thing I did when we got the recovery capital was pay off some credit cards that um, that leadership before me had. I see. And we were just ba barely paying the minimum. 
Gotcha. And they weren't going anywhere. Okay. I mean, our minimum equaled the interest. Yeah. And so I paid that bill, right. called my board member, did a little dance. Uh, 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 I just paid some debt. Yeah. So before, and yeah. so before you were worried about just keeping the lights on. Exactly. So what this money did was that it let you not worry about keeping the lights on, so that you can then start developing things that you want to do. Exactly. Okay. Which is, I mean, that's a huge weight off of your show because then your your energy isn't how do I keep the lights on. It's what's the mission? What's the mission statement? And how do we? How, how do, do we, we make an impact? How do we do it? Without all the other worries. And the great part about the arts is that we're scrappy, right? Yeah. We make it happen regardless. And so um, so making being scrappy sometimes works for us and against us, right? right? Because funders can look at you being scrappy and be like, well, why did you need some more money? You just did yeah. all this work. I mean, it, <laughs> like maybe unprofessional could be something they think or unorganized. Exactly. Like, no, I but made it hey, happen. Yeah. Like I paid my artist $5 instead of $500. <laughs> yeah. And now they can't live. Yeah. So really. The, so the my wife has, she shares some experience in grant writing. Uh-huh. Uh, she does a lot of that. Okay. And uh, I mean, she does, she just says that there's a whole lot of red tape to go through mm-hmm. and you have to word things just right. And they want to see your X's, uh, your T's crossed and your I's dotted. And right. That if things don't go, if they don't see it that way, then the, you, you know, you have to explain it. Yeah. So I can sort of understand how that yeah, would be. I call that grant speak. Right. Yeah. It's yeah, like it's, it's like yeah, it's it's lawyer right? for for grant. And it's just like we was talking with you on the radio, with you doing this podcast, right? If you went into NPR voice, that's the same <laughs> thing with grant speak. And so one of the things that we've been stressing to to like Melon while we had their ear was grant speak doesn't work for everybody. No. And and to tell like for me, grant speak is hard. Yeah. Right. I can do it because I've I've been to college and I can write totally in a whole different voice code switching that's what we call it but I feel better when I can just tell you the story the way I tell stories yeah. and um and that makes me feel good so I'm trying to to get to the point where when my um, business development manager Nina is doing grants now that I kind of like if I hear a lot of grant speak, I kind of curb her. Yeah. From that, um, yeah. just because Not I want to get us to her be authentic. Too, exactly. Like too ingrained in that. It, yeah, and I don't know. And and so far it's been working, but it's just like, I I don't I don't. It's a barrier for, for brown and black organizations. It's definitely a barrier. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, I mean, from my understanding of that type of. Uh, structure just in general a lot of places have dedicated writers who do that Mm -hmm. and then you know maybe ideally 10 years from now your organization is big where you can have just that one person where it doesn't matter if they just speak that as long (laughs) as they can also get where you're coming from exactly (laughs) so it's like let's keep that face there that that would be okay and we do we do have right now because of the national performance networks leveraging a network of equity program we have a grant writer for right now okay um and so my business development person nina works with them directly and they kind of come up with a plan yeah so you don't have to do all that so much anymore no i used to you can focus on the fun stuff (laughs) 
Well, actually, I'm trying to take myself out the fun stuff right now, which is crazy. Are you? Yeah. Um, because I have a team. Okay. And so, and once, like, before I didn't have a team, I had to do everything. Yeah. And now, and the hardest part with having sustainability and things of that nature is having a team and giving them the freedom to do their job. And for me to really focus on what my job is, which is a lot of the business stuff and being the face of the organization and stuff like that. And so um, I told my team that I was going to step away a little bit more and allow them to just do them. Yeah. um, well, because you want to grow it, right? Exactly. So, and there, you, there does need to have that, that business side focused on growth and, you know, more funds and more donors and more of, exactly. of all of that, so that you can then tell your, your creative team, hey, we have these new resources. What can we do with it? Exactly. <laughs> and the hardest hardest part is like catching myself, right? <laughs> I, I mean, nobody nobody told me that growth was hard, and so like. Oh. Um, it's hard. It's hard. <laughs> so I have uh, my program person. And I remember this particular time somebody had emailed and it was questionable. And I was like, and you email them and you tell them. And I was giving her word for word. This is what you say. And then and I just looked at her eyes gloss over like, what is going on with you? And I was like, wait a minute. You know the situation, forget everything I said, and you do it in your voice and right. how you want to handle it. But that's some hard well, work. Well, kudos to you for having that uh, frame of mind yeah. to to that self-awareness to to identify it and then having the, um, the leadership style of I will correct course, do it yeah. this, I mean, go in, in your own way. Because a lot of... Uh, Team leaders, bosses, they can't do that at all. <laughs> they'll uh, they'll give you, well, because I've had some horrible bosses mm-hmm. where, you know, they give, I wouldn't say bad, but they give directions and then things happen that identify that it wasn't the best thing to do, mm-hmm. but they don't come back and say, read, let's rethink about this. Oh, they'll still yeah. want their original idea to go through. It won't, and it fails, and then the conversation yeah. is, "Why did this fail?" Yeah, and it's and it's hard to admit when you're wrong. Yeah, but I I love it when people say their job is to make sure that um, they put smarter people around them. Oh yeah, you know it's like <laughs> cool. I heard um, I heard somebody say the other night. Um, they said, uh, "I don't need to know everything, but I need to know enough." And I totally believe in that. Yeah. Um, we all bring something special to the table. Our jobs as leaders is pulling that that special thing out of each person. Yeah. So don't set people up for failure if you know they can't do that part of the job. Yeah, because I mean, you're a team, and mm-hmm. the this everyone should have the same goal. It, one of my one of my old bosses, actually one of my first bosses who um, I really appreciated. He gave me two. He, he gave me two things, two uh, things to think about. The first one was, he said, always try to work yourself out of a job. Mm. So mm. he would say, if, you, if you're doing this job and you have an opportunity to teach someone, like if you're asked to teach someone else or do any sort of training, do it and teach them how to do it because then you're then going to be more valuable and then they're going to ask you to do something else. And that's sort of, 
hinges on having a boss that will identify that. Mm -hmm. But he would say that always work yourself out of a job. And then what was the other one? He said something else too. And then the other one was only drink when you're on the clock. (laughs) (laughs) But that's because that's because he didn't drink, Uh but he would only drink when he would be out with customers, social, social drinking with customers. Yeah. So he was, so one of them, I completely failed at (laughs) guess which one that is. The only drinking while you're the on drinking. the clock. Yeah. Yeah. I get it. Because when I came out here, I was straight out of college and they had put in my head, do not drink with any, don't, don't drink with your coworkers. Do yeah. not do that. And then I got my job. My first job was at Immunex in Seattle. Um, Immunex is a former biotech company, which is now Amgen. And... And it was like, it's happy hour by the company. I'm like, Ooh. but they told me not to drink. Yeah. And um, and I learned how I learned about wine because of the company I work for. <laughs> <laughs> I learned about a lot like of It's things. okay to drink at work functions. It's just probably not the best idea to get totally hammered. One, one I've glass. failed at that too. <laughs> Plenty. Mm, was it the courage? Were you trying to get the courage? No, we were no. Just, just mean, like drinking. I was in sales. <clears throat> we all drank <laughs> a lot, <laughs> but that's a that's a different that's a different podcast. <laughs> yeah, it's totally different. So, what's the um, the your <clears throat> the CD form? The CD form. So you're, you're saying it works with. Minority youths, <laughs> correct me. <laughs> um, we work with black artists um, in various genres. So we present, we produce, so everything from dance Oh, to, so it's not just youth. No, it's everybody. It's everybody. Okay, I have it uh, in my head that it's it's, youth, it's a youth. No, it's everybody. Okay. We try to, um, <clears throat> and we're to the point now because we, we didn't have youth programming yeah. before. Like we partner with different youth organizations. Yeah. But now we're trying to be very purposeful in having at least a youth or a couple youth involved in a program that we're doing. Gotcha. Um, but it's yeah. not focused on that. But it's not on, focused on because I'm assuming there are youths. There are youth but, and there's there's youth organizations that specialize in that stuff. Oh, okay. And um and our organization just isn't one of those. Mm-hmm. Um, which is okay. Yeah. Everybody can have their lane. Sure. Um, but we, we work with Black artists, various genres, um, locally and nationally. Um, we like to keep it small, simple, but we also like to. One of the, one of the things I'm proud of is that we work with artists in hopes of helping them develop. Sure. So, for instance, our curator right now, Danny Terrell, started off as a performer, and then was like a production stage manager, and now is our curator. Okay. Um, and so. <clears throat> that type of thing or having an artist say they want to do a show but not us just paying for them to do the show but making them a co-producer to where they're responsible for some things of right. getting that show taken care of yeah and that they, way they have the the, exp- the behind the scenes experience exactly so they know how much work it takes to do these things exactly Gets so the appreciation for the whole for, for the, the whole, whole production right and and so it's just about developing the whole artist so yeah. a lot of times i'll have conversations with artists and just be like so what is it that you want to do like where are you trying to go and and my team always be like like if we're out somewhere at a function and we're we're talking and i'll be like 
so what is your dream to some stranger? And they'd be like, and the stranger be like, what? And then, and then they'd be like, she always asks that question. Like, <laughs> Do they like put their heads down? And they're it's like, like, nobody ever asked me that before. Like, wow. And I'd be like, yeah, I mean, nobody asked me that growing up either. Mm. Um, and so I like, I like to see people be successful and following their yeah. dreams. So the, well, so you said you have, in the group, there's various, various types of artists. Mm-hmm. Is that what's the biggest percentage? Is it uh, acting? Is it musicians? Mm. Right now, it's been dance lately. Okay. Um, we have a program called um, Showing Out Black Contemporary Choreographers, which was the brainchild of uh, Donald Bird from Spectrum Dance Theater and um, Sandra Jackson Dumont who um, is now at the the new uh, museum in L.A. Okay. She was at the Met. She was at Sam when she was on my board, and then the Met, and now she's going to run a, a theater a museum in, in L.A. And um, we started doing it in 2013. And so through that program, um, each year we get to help five-plus choreographers we get to work with five plus choreographers Mm. and getting their work out there and the way donald has set the program up originally was to do mentorship and so danny as the curator now um is following in donald's footsteps and so we don't just let them do their show danny goes to their rehearsals throughout the process to give notes and things of that nature okay so so they'll perform Um, and then they'll come back in January, do it again. Wow. <laughs> so contemporary dance. Yeah. I'm not very knowledgeable when it comes to that. Is that the, uh, is that like modern dance? We, it's all kind of dancing in our program. So, contem- so we have contemporary. So contemporary is, is that a style though? Yeah. Contemporary is a style. Modern is a style. Hip hop is a style. Ballet is a style. And I think for this performance, we have like, a couple ballet dancers we have um, the majority of them are contemporary um, and and it's just and what we we don't like to box it in to be just one style I have to look up contemporary dance <laughs> I used to watch so you think you can dance all the time uh, uh, but I stopped uh, watching uh. I only watched a couple episodes how do you spell contemporary c-o-n <laughs> google <laughs> There you go, I found it. Act Siri. Okay, let's see here. Um, ooh, contemporary dance. Hannah Brown. She was on uh, So You Think You Can Dance. All right, let's you watching see watching the video? Yeah. I mean, if now you the ready? studio needs to have like a big TV here. <laughs> you have a monitor. You need one more monitor. Yeah. Actually, I was thinking that. You're right. See? Oh, okay, I get it now. Yeah. It's a little bit of everything. So... The con- you're saying contemporary has a bunch of yeah this is all hard stuff <laughs> uh yeah i do not recommend nah i i mean dancing and what danny is stressing and um is you know do what's right for your body yeah um, sitting down for me <laughs> No, you just said that you <laughs> dancing in Mark Anthony and uh, I mean, my my definition of dancing is it's very loose. Yeah, mine is too. I mean, <laughs> I can I can do the Tootsie Roll with the rest of them. 
<laughs> Which one's that one where you do this? Yeah. <laughs> the butterfly. Uh, uh, that's, oh, I, let I me heard see that. you to zero. I heard that on the, uh, was it? It couldn't have been on the radio. Do they still play that on the they radio? They still do play do it from time to time. Oh, we, I was in a car and they were playing that song. I, would, I thought that it was just on his his playlist or something. I'm like, <laughs> wow, I have not heard this song in 10 years. Yeah, it's it's a da- it's dangerous. I was in my car last week and it came on and I just did the whole song driving. <laughs> I was like, and I, I was in my own world to the left. And my shoulders was moving to the left, to the right. And I was trying to dip in the seat. I was like, uh, uh, I'm getting it. I'm getting it. I, like, <laughs> I get excited when I hear uh, uh, Paperboy. Ah, Diddy. Is it called uh-huh. Diddy? D- D- I don't know. Let's Google. Paperboy. Paper. Do you remember that one? Nope. Paper. We're Googling. We're Googling. Who can get it first? Yeah, Diddy. D-I-T-T-Y. Ah. Paperboy Diddy. Yeah, I know that song. (laughs) So you get pumped off of this? Yeah. That's you know, um, when I was a kid, <clears throat> I would go to, was it Sam Goody or one of those? Uh-huh. And that was like the the single tapes. And I bought that single tape where it was just literally that song on mm-hmm. on a tape. <laughs> See, that's how young I am. Mm-hmm. Completely young. So you have choreographers. Yes. Um, what's another, or for dancing? Um, um, tell, me, tell me more. We have a show called coming up in early 2020 um called 12 and what we do did is we comprised about five black men that will be writing stories to their 12 year old selves oh and um performing them as a monologue on stage interesting Um, yeah it's gonna be fun huh and they're all from like different backgrounds and things of that nature so it's gonna be really cool just to hear those stories um what would you tell a 12-year-old self? Mm. Have fun. More? Yes. <laughs> Have enjoy being a kid. I'm so mad at my nephews and nieces right now cuz they I'm like they want to grow up so fast, and I know we did too. Yeah. And I'm like, yo, you don't know what it means not to have to pay a bill. Right. Right? All you have to do is wake up <laughs> and go to school, come home, do your homework, yeah. play Minecraft all night. Really? Oh, but they're not going to get it. They're not going to get it. No. But, um, they're going to get it 10 years too late. Yeah, and I, I would tell my 12-year-old self to try everything. Just try everything that you want to try. Like what? Like, if you want to play the trumpet, play the trumpet. If you want to climb wall, rock climbing, climb the rock. If you so want be to, more adventurous. Be more adventurous and so you can figure out or what you curious. really want to do. So you can figure out what life is going to be about. Yeah. Um, like, uh, I was talking to a young lady yesterday that um, is coming on to be an intern from her. She's from um, the Seattle Arts Academy. And... And she was, she's a senior, and she's like, I have no clue what I want to go to college for. And I was well, like, Well, you shouldn't. You you shouldn't. And I'm cool. I'm I'm cool with that. Yeah. But I was like, Well, what do you like to do? And then all she can come up with was work. Wow. I like to work. Yeah. And I was like, 
that's great, but what do you like to do at work? And so it was that one of those conversations where I was like, you know, if if people ask young people the right questions yeah. and put them in the right situations, uh, will be it'd be great. Yeah. But yeah, she I like to avoid any, work. I, <laughs> yeah, that's why you do podcasts and podcasts <laughs> and photography and. Um, but that's why I do. Yeah, I do things that are monetizable but uh-huh. that like's on the side. Yeah. Yeah, that's why you do everything you do. Cuz videos, yeah. You don't you hate work. <laughs> you know, so this is uh uh so I I was I sold software for a long time. I was a software sales guy and it I just did, it was pretty stuffy. It was mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, it was we got to do a lot of fun stuff and I got to you know, we I used to I was the Latin American rep for okay. a whole long time. So I would go to um, I just traveled a ton to South America and to Mexico. I would just do it a whole lot. But it wasn't fun. Hmm. Like it was I mean, the, those particular things were fun. Right. But my every day was not fun. My every day was coming in here, sitting down, reading email. Mm-hmm. and replying and then being on the phone talking about barcodes and databases mm-hmm. and that's not fun and yeah it was nice because i made you know you know you know if you're in sales for 10 years you have to be doing something right right and there's definitely a reward to that <clears throat> but it was yeah but so the thing about the arts is that um i remember the first time i i when i see a show that we do I get rejuvenated, right? Like, yeah. oh my God, we helped put this on. But I remember I um, was able to move CD Forum's office from 14th and Yesler, which was more of an apartment complex yeah. and a couple businesses in there. And then to Langston Hughes Performing Arts Institute, where our office is now. And that's a great building. It's a wonderful building. Everybody should come there. But um, I should go visit you. You should come. I mean, you should come this weekend to the show. I'll, I'll get you in. I'm gonna be <laughs> drinking. <laughs> but um, and so they uh, and it was one day, and we had an artist, Jay Solomon Curtis, came in because downstairs in Langston in our grand hall, we have a um a dance floor mm. in there, and so she was down there rehearsing. And she texted me and said, Sharon, can you come downstairs? And I was like, to give her some notes. And so I ran downstairs in the middle of the day and got to see her performing. Nice. And give notes. And I was like, oh, my God, I love being in this <laughs> building. This is so awesome. This is why I do what I do. And so we get those in the arts. We get those wins. Yeah. Like every time we see a production go up or see an artist be successful, we win. And it oh, rejuvenates us, and that's that's the fun it's for team us. Team effort, and exactly. Can't like they do may be yourself. they may be up there, you know, performing, but mm-hmm. it's a uh, it, it takes a lot to to get behind it. Exactly. <clears throat> uh, no, actually, I'll, I'll, I'm assuming that there's a calendar on your website. Yes. So that we can see what's going on. Cdforum.org. Yeah, I'll put all of that in the in the show notes. Yeah. Um, so. What I would tell my 12-year-old self is, I had this all thought out already in my head. 
I would probably tell him to, yeah, take it slower. I mean, nothing, nothing crazy. Mm-hmm. I did, uh, I had, my parents didn't really pressure me into anything. So I grew up, I'm a single kid. I grew up just outside of Chicago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so in the 90s, a lot of the, like, uh, I don't want to say Chicago in the 90s was L.A. in the 80s, but pretty close. Okay. And a lot of a lot of that gang stuff and, you know, the not so cool stuff did seep over to where I grew up, which is Aurora. So, uh, you know, I, I when growing up, I do know, you know, lots of people that didn't make it. And most of it was gang violence. But my parents were just so focused on me not joining a gang not doing drugs, not selling drugs, and then not being in jail, uh-huh. that they didn't really push anything else. Like, they didn't not, they didn't push college. Uh, they didn't even push me getting a job. Actually, when I got my first job, my dad was not happy. <clears throat> he didn't he didn't like it. He said that he said, actually, my, <laughs> he said, avoid getting a job as long as you can. <laughs> And then I, I think like I said some, I think I said something like, you know, that means I'm going to be here forever, right? And he's like, <laughs> yeah. would, he would be okay with it. <clears throat> you know, actually, now my parents would still be okay if I <laughs> went back home. But they didn't really push anything. So, <clears throat> so when, when uh, eventually when I moved out, and I moved out when I was about 18, mm-hmm. like I think that they were, they were like, whew, he's not in the gang. <laughs> He's not, won. In, he's not in jail. Yeah. Like, I think that that was a big win for them, yeah. which I, which I, I don't know. It's good because they just like that's what they were able to do. Right. Like they just didn't have the tools to dream, mm-hmm. you know, as uh, going back to what, what you had said. Yeah. Uh, and it wasn't really until I met Lori, my wife, when like the whole world opened up. Because it's it's so crazy thinking back on a young me that the only place that existed was my town mm-hmm. and then my grandparents' town in Mexico. Right. Which were very different, right? Because um, my parents, my grandparents in Mexico lived in this little tiny town out in the middle of the desert. No grass, no nothing, no trees. No drinking water. No, my my grandpa was, I was about 15 when my grandpa put a, a flushing toilet in their house. Okay. Before that, it was an outhouse. <clears throat> uh, so I was used to that. Uh, but those were the only two places that existed in my head. Hmm. Nothing else. I get it. So it wasn't until Lori and I started dating where when I first when I first started dating, Lori was in a bunch of plays. So she was an actor. Uh, she did a lot of stuff for the Burian. It used to be called the Burian Little Theater. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's called that anymore. Uh, and then she started directing stuff and co-directing. So I used to go with her. I used to. I didn't. I never saw her perform, but uh, she uh, drafted me into helping. With a few of the shows she directed. Okay. So then we started going to shows, um, going even concerts, like where all of that creative stuff opened up because I had zero of it before. Mm-hmm. 
I had no exposure to it. I never, I don't even think I've heard of a play before that. Wow. <clears throat> and I think a big chunk of it too was I didn't go to a public school. I went to a small uh, private school. Okay. I'm like really small. Mm. Like I uh, graduated in 97 uh, with a class of three. And I was oh, third. Wow. <laughs> wow. That's that's not small. That's tiny. It's super tiny. There was the, from eighth to 12th grade. We were in one room uh, and there were like 35, Whew. 35 of us. Uh, but the reason I went to this school, because my mom didn't want me to go to the public school because there was trouble in the public schools. Right. I mean, the public schools were huge. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I would have ended up going to a school to East High, just East Aurora High. Okay. And uh, But she didn't want me to go. <clears throat> uh, so I went to this other school. So, yeah. Uh, so that's super interesting. So I think actually, thinking back now, I probably would have told the 12-year-old me to... I mean, I don't think a 12-year-old me would have understood what be creative means like i would have had to <laughs> like i would have had to have said it in a very very simple way like <laughs> learn how to take pictures or learn how to draw whatever or... yeah yeah i would have had to have laid it out like if he was a buffoon because 12 mm-hmm. year old me was a buffoon <laughs> well i get it because like my family didn't know what i did it was like what yeah. what you do what? I don't know what you're doing out there in Seattle. Yeah. <laughs> you ain't working. You ain't, like why you broke? <laughs> like, um, yeah, cause I'm I'm living the dream. Yeah. But you better go use that education. And I was like, I am some yeah. of it. That's a parallel that you and I have, I guess, by what you just said. Because even when I was in my sales career, uh-huh. like I would try to explain my dad what I did. And he just like I don't just had zero concept, and and I would try to, you know, explain it to him in the simplest of ways. Like you know, when you go to the store and that barcode, (laughs) they have to ring that barcode up. He's like, yeah. He's like, well, I sell the stuff that lets you know Coke put that barcode on there, and then he's like, oh okay. He's like, but it's just lines. There's no information there. There's, no, there's a lot of information there. there. <laughs> I get it. Yeah, he just did it. He just it just didn't compute because I did wasn't doing something physical with my hands. Yeah. Like before that, I was a machinist, so I I ran these big lathes and big mills and made airplane parts and made I made a, I made you know I, I was I fabricated a lot of stuff that he got because mm-hmm. my dad ran a machine forever for forty five years, so when I told him I ran a machine and the machine does this, he could envision it. But me just sitting there, you know, <laughs> looking at Outlook for six hours a day, it, it just didn't didn't get it. My family, uh, I remember the moment they kind of started getting it, and it was when um, my auntie had died. Auntie, um, her name was Ola May, and she was like the matriarch of the family at that point. Mm. And I had written this piece called Strong Black Woman, and it was a conversation. It was my last conversation with her or what I, what I thought the last conversation would have been. Uh-huh. And, um, and I asked to read it at the service and it was like, are you sure? Are you going to be able to do it? Da, 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 da. What that mean? And all that stuff. And 
I was like, yeah. And I had written it and I had sent it to my cousin um, so she could share it with auntie. And I didn't know until months late. I didn't know until after the service that she had actually read it to her before she died. Oh. And I was like, really? And then, um, so when I performed it in the show, doing my voice and trying to do auntie's voice because I'm horrible. <laughs> um, then after the service, after that, people were like, that's what you do? And I was like, yes. <laughs> That's did what they, I've been trying to tell y'all. Did they say it like in a? Uh, well, it, it had. To, I mean, it couldn't have been in a anything but positive. It was because, nothing but positive because of the you know situation, the 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 emotion behind mm-hmm. behind what you did. But yeah. so that was their eureka moment. That's exactly. awesome. <laughs> so, how yeah. many shows of your own shows have uh-huh. you have you done? Wow. Um, uh, solo performance. I've done three um i have one um play that is a ensemble cast that i've written and then i i have two poetry plus storytelling albums and i'm working on i'm finishing up the third one wow yeah <laughs> there's a lot yeah typically how long does it take you to create one um like do, are you constantly writing um no uh, the thing about being independent is I I need to develop a practice of constantly writing. Yeah. And that's what I'm trying to get to. Um, and seriously, I just had this conversation like yesterday. And then, um, but uh, I write when I, when I feel it or an emotion. Okay. So that I remember writing my first solo play. I was in class at Seattle U and, um, and the speaker was talking about um, time and, mm not waiting for somebody else to do something that you're supposed to do at this yeah. exact time. Right. And I totally just zoned out of whatever he was saying. I started writing a play. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> I was like, mm, Hey, that uh, it was that jump start. It's that jump start. And that- so, um, and so some, some of them take longer than others. The mm-hmm. one that I'll be performing at, and the one I will be performing in February, dare to claim the sky. Uh, that came about really quickly uh-huh. in 2018. Um, and it's a compilation of pieces from all three of my poetry plus storytelling albums. So that's Dare to Claim the Sky? Yes. And, and so, that's going to be, you're going to be doing that in February? In February, <clears throat> February 7th through the 9th at Act Theater. And their solo, their first solo festival. Okay. And so we did it, we put it together, and then we performed it at nights at the Neptunes with Seattle Theater Group. Um, with a, I had a live band perform with me and things of that nature oh, exciting and then so that was july of 2018 november my birthday november 7th i was performing it on stage in new york on my birthday wow for the united solo festival and then this would be and so then since then me and my director slash collaboration partner slash dramaturg christine sumption in the last few weeks have been making revisions to it yeah um, for the performance in February. And where, oh, at ACT. At ACT, yeah. We were there last weekend. Okay, which we show did Dracula. you see? Dracula. How was that? <laughs> I loved it. It was pretty cool. <laughs> awesome, they got a lot of cool spaces in that building. Yeah, so. it was the, uh, I don't know what the room was. Was it the round or the bullet? Mm, I don't know. You go, you go in, and then you go down. Okay. 
Do you know where? Do you know where the that vault is? The vault. Oh, the vault. It's like it used to be a bank. Uh huh. Oh no, I don't know where. There's a vault in there. Yeah. There's a or here. There's. See, does this look familiar? It was right next to that. Oh. The green room. Oh. Huh. Okay. Uh, let's see. The vault. I didn't know there was a vault in there as many times as I've been. Yeah, it's, it looked there. like it was a bank oh. with safe deposit, safety deposit boxes. Safe deposit boxes. Uh-huh. Yeah. But there's this cool. big... Oh, here we go. I did take a picture of it. Does that look familiar? Let me see how they got it set up. Yeah, that's... Oh, yeah, that's the big room. That's the, that's the round that they have over there. Ah. Yeah. Yeah, so that's that's where that's this was. Okay. It was pretty neat. They took a lot of liberties with Dracula. <laughs> but it's, it was okay. He was like, uh-uh, that is not true. I'm, I'm a Dracula a, fan. I'm a purist. <laughs> How y'all just gonna change that? <laughs> well, they're like, I mean, I mean, you can't. It's a big book, so you can't. Right. And it was only a 90-minute show with no intermission. Uh-huh. So they just had to sort of steamroll ahead. So they... they skipped a bunch of stuff yeah that was all right so no that's exciting so you got a big show coming up in february yes um and you're fine-tuning it right now yes gotcha and how long will that go for we have one more session to finalize the script and then um and then i will start memorizing over the in december and then in january we'll start getting it on its feet and Doing all the movements and That's stuff. That's a lot of memorizing. You must have a good memory. I do not. That's the problem. <laughs> Are you gonna have cue cards or no cue cards? A teleprompter. If I mess up, it's like wing it. A, you just fill in the blanks. Earpiece. No, none of that. It's Why? Just, uh, um, cause that that's the thing that I love about live theater. Is that, that you, you can never mess know up? that you can mess up, <laughs> and you just be like, well, but you don't want to mess up. You don't, but it's how you respond to the mess up. Yeah, right. but if it can be avoidable altogether. <laughs> That's just being lazy. Have a little earpiece. No, I'm good. So Eric Estrada, do you know who Eric Estrada yes, is? Yes, I know. Chips. <clears throat> Eric Estrada, he was on the super famous uh, soap opera, Mexican soap opera called oh. Dos Mujeres Un Camino. Yes. Which is two women, one one path. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, well, he first of all, his Spanish sucks. He doesn't. He's not really a Spanish speaker. And he would have an earpiece in, and they would just feed him in his lines. Ah, because I don't. I mean, he can probably read Spanish, but the comprehension was not great. Right, um, that's crazy. But yeah, a little earpiece. No, I'm good. I I, I won't use the little earpiece. <laughs> so, how uh, long will this show be? It's an hour long. Wow, and you gotta have you gotta be talking the whole time. Yes. Yeah, that's a lot. It is, but it's just like this. Well, yeah, but I'll never have to repeat this. <laughs> that, that's the funniest part about <laughs> writing is people. Sometimes people think that if you write something, then you remember what you say. Oh, no, no, I no. I remember. I, I don't be remember like, what I said. I, sometimes I go back and read stuff that I wrote in the middle of the night. And I'm like, who said that? Yeah. You know, that's funny that you say that. Don't you think it's a little unfair for people who are out there a lot mm-hmm. to be to have like one sentence picked out that might be offensive or that might have said something goofy mm-hmm. and you you have 
tens of thousands of hours of content and that people will scrub through all of that to find the one thing that is a little bit questionable right isn't that weird i think that's unfair it's because you take it out of context yeah anything sounds bad if you take it out of context yeah and it's like lots of people do this it's not just one group it's like lots of people do this where trend it's it's nuts so that's the that's i would say is the negative part about putting yourself out there you know yeah putting yourself out there the flip side to that the interesting thing is that i read well who did i read this from there was this ai article Mm -hmm. an article about ai that i read where it said that People who have been on the radio for the last like 10 years or so, <clears throat> they have so much content out from them, mm-hmm. of them, that someone could build an AI so that they'll continue to live forever. And that that person's like great, great grandchildren will be able to have conversations with that person in real time and be able to get responses like to have an actual conversation that's creepy isn't that nuts (laughs) like they were talking about radio guys like you know howard stern and Uh corolla it's like they've been they've they've or you know anyone who talks a ton Uh like all these people you can gather up their whole library and then pretty much piece together conversation piece together so that if like if their great 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 grandkids said you know, how are you doing today? Like, it's like, oh, here's the, <laughs> here's the answer. But, but so, but it'll be quick. It'll be immediate. Wow. I mean, that's nice. Yeah, that's, that's, I don't know. I think, yeah, that's taking it a bit far. <laughs> 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 I mean, I want to, you know, you, you'd be like, well, once so-and-so died, I do want to, but not that far. No. Like, I'm, I'm okay with I mean, I wanna listening turn that to. On. Prince's music and be like, oh, what was he thinking during that time? And yeah, that's cool. But hey, grandma, how you doing? Yeah, I'm doing good today. Uh, uh-uh, no, no, you no, don't want that. No, I'm good. like no. I think mine will be the opposite. Mine will be my great 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 kids will just turn me off. <laughs> like, why is he still talking? Like, he's not saying anything. He's complaining about going and getting the groceries. <laughs> We don't have that. What What is going to get groceries? Oh, I went on this huge rant um, of a few weeks ago about losing a Sharpie. I don't like to lose things. I hate mis... Like, I don't... For, I don't break anything. Like, I don't break my stuff. Uh-huh. Um, and I don't lose stuff, but I misplace stuff. And I hate it. And a few weeks ago, I was looking for my Sharpie. Because it had a thick end on one and then the fine point on the other. Mm-hmm. And I wanted that thick one. I tore this whole place apart <laughs> in like for two days. Wow. Looking for this Sharpie. And I told my wife about it. She didn't care. <laughs> Did I, you find it? I told Trish and Jen about it. <laughs> they didn't they care. They didn't care. Wow. Yesterday. I was looking for something else that I misplaced. <laughs> That's how exactly how it does. I was looking for the stupid Apple dongle uh-huh. that goes into the phone so you can plug your earphones into it. I was looking for it. I found my Sharpie. <laughs> did you do a happy dance? I did. I took a picture of it and I sent it to everybody. <laughs> and I said, there is a nice. God. 
<laughs> I found my Sharpie. Hey. It's divine intervention. Little wins, I tell you. Well, now, but now I, I lost this dongle. <laughs> I can't find it. You know what? <laughs> but I hate it, dude. I hate losing things. Yeah. Like, I tip, like I misplace stuff. But you keep losing stuff, stuff. Well, I misplace stuff. Uh-huh. Like, I mean, yeah, I misplace stuff. But, like, I'm the one who, I'm the person that I lose something. I will look in my shoes. Because I put random stuff in my shoes. Like, I think if I go and shake my shoes that uh-huh. I have in my closet, there'll be stuff there. Mm. That is like, oh, okay. And that's where that's where that is. I put stuff in my shoes. No, uh, no it's fun. Um, well, this was awesome. Ah, thank you. Hopefully, hopefully we learned some stuff. I'll put a link to the CD forum and to all your stuff in the show notes. Yes. To your website. What's your website? Uh, CDforum.org. And my website is SharonNWilliams.com. SharonNWilliams.com. Yeah. So we'll be able to see, well, to know what you're going, what the going, do you update it? Yeah. Put you on the, put you on the hot seat here. I, I. Yes, with everything that I have, everything that I talked about today isn't on there yet, but it will be. Okay. So, Are you okay. sure? I'm positive. <laughs> I got to, yo. And I was thinking about that last night. And I was like, oh, shoot. But like, yeah, it will be up there. Like, I don't know, 10 years ago, websites were like the coolest thing. And uh, now they're just a burden. They, they're a burden because we, we are artists and we have to do them. And they're necessary. That's the crazy part. But people don't even look at websites anymore. Yes, they do. I get all my gigs from websites, not from social media. Oh, you really? Yeah. Oh, hey, I was mm. gonna call you Boomer. <laughs> <laughs> no, and I encourage all my artists to make websites because what they do is they start off on your social media, but then they want to know more. Okay. And then they go to your website. Okay. Yeah, unless you're like Will Smith or somebody. And then you go to his YouTube page. Exactly. Um, well. Since you said that, since you encourage artists to get websites, it's so let's, simple. let's talk about a sponsor, which is me. There, okay. CZ Media makes websites. Oh, there it is. <laughs> hey. I make easy to use websites. So I've been thinking about a commercial that I want to make for myself. Okay. Where, you know, all of these uh, Wix and Squarespace commercials uh-huh. make it seem like boom, bada bing, bada boom. There's your website. Right. And as the as their commercial shows people making them they're like oh i'm gonna put this picture here and that picture here it's like designing that is not the big deal right the big deal is getting the stuff that you're gonna put on your website Mm -hmm. like that's that's the hard part yeah because i mean they're those commercials are absolutely right it's pretty straightforward to make a website yourself Mm -hmm. but like getting the content to go on there that's a different different animal <clears throat> so if you do want that i can help cz media all right carlos-zamora.com i make a good picture well i try to at least okay that's what's up <laughs> well thank you so much thanks for having me i'll link everything down below um thank you for i mean it's it, it i'm assuming you'll take donations oh of course okay do you have a like a paypal link there yes there's a um there's a link on my website Okay. Yeah. So we'll point that out so that um, to support uh, black artists in the Seattle area. And I want this show to be highlighting Seattle stuff. So it's a perfect, a perfect fit for that. Uh, 
look, look for the website. <clears throat> Sorry. Look through Sharon's website, through the CD Forums website. Support it. Go check out the performances. And am I missing anything? Nope. Awesome. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and Spotify. And we'll... Oh, you know what? What should we uh, outro with? Uh, what about your your favorite song? The uh, popcorn diddy. What is it? Oh, I thought you were gonna say the the cancer girl. No, <laughs> <laughs> that one too. Either or. All right, some diddy. Diddy. Hold on. I don't know how to use these older things anymore. No, they come back around too. What does? All technology. Oh, this is pretty old. <laughs> Paperboy. Here we go. Yo, this is something coming from the non-dudes. Another fat, fat track, so with them dick, put them on shoes. And let's relax, I'll sip it on yak because it's like that. I'm conscious of hope, so paperboy just move like that. I'll give her Jimmy for this game, and I sing a long trench. My bro, see, yo, I know she's on the nine ends just to get a piece of degree. But she's an undertaker, not the way that paper is around the world. Heartbreaker, let me say, I'll fuck for yo. Had to have a breakdown, pay the fool, so now you know. While my belly's round, picking a rap, I got the scoop in the cartoon like a steel shovel. Not from the ghetto, but yo, take